0: What's up, everybody? KJ52 here. Welcome to the KJ52 Podcast. title of today's podcast is I Am Officially Irrelevant. Parentheses. And that's okay. What am I talking about? Uh, Just want to do a quick little, uh, I don't know, drive-by podcast. With a couple things that was kind of bouncing around in my head today. And uh, maybe you can relate. Maybe not. Anyway, here's the deal. Um, Last Wednesday... I spoke at my church's youth group, the high school kids, uh, for the first time. I've done stuff there over the years, but this was, you know, this is a different setting now. I mean, me being on staff, and I was kind of asked to fill in, and I had a message that I had done previously, and I just kind of tweaked it for the theme, and then tweaked it, you know, for high school kids. but. know, the beauty of these high school kids is that they are, they're like phenomenal to talk to. Like, I mean, you know, I've, I've done multiple capacities of youth ministry over the years. You know, I've had some really, really rough kids that some nights are just like to not have a fight break out is a successful night. (laughs) And then I've had, you know, kids that are somewhere in between church kids and street kids. And then You know, in this particular case, um, these kids are, they're just good kids to talk to. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can be a little deeper. You can be, and it's not like I'm doing like a 12-point sermon on eschatology and like end times and, you know what I mean? Like, everything I was saying had a real purpose and in my humble opinion, it connected really, really well. It's not... That's not really even what I wanted to talk about. Um, And I think there was about 40, maybe 50 kids in the room. That's my guesstimation. That's not really what I wanted to talk about. It was the pre... The pre-service time. Um, You know, and I always want to be somebody that's a communicator. That's not like... I hide out backstage and then I speak and then I disappear. Because I'm too good to, you know, be with the people, so to speak never wanted to be that guy. So, pre-service, I'm just kind of hanging out or whatever, and you know, this youth room is like one kind of big room, and it has ping pong tables and a pool table and things like that, and so there was like a few kids that were early. Normally, there would have been more kids in there inside, but they actually held them outside, Uh, but there was a couple kids that were early, right? And you know, just, just started talking to them. Like, just, just started kicking it with them. I mean, I just think that's hugely important that you under, you know, you let teenagers know that you're not just some entity on stage, but that you are approachable on stage and off stage. You know what I mean? Like, not that, I think a lot, I think maybe even only a small percentage of them actually even knew who I was, be it Jonah or KJ. Why am I saying all this? Well, Okay, so here's the deal. So this is this is a funny thing, especially in regards to Christian hip hop. I've been around so long that I can remember a time where Christian hip hop was not the go-to music that you played at a youth ministry thing, pre-service, post-service, mid-service. Like a good chunk of my career was me fighting for that space to, you know, for Christian hip hop to be considered. Legitimate, you know what I mean? And, you know, legitimate to to the culture, legitimate to the church world, legitimate to everything. And the funny thing is now, we're in a place and time where the default music in youth ministry, in Christian music and, you know, the church world, the default music, for a lot of ways, is Christian hip-hop. Right? No one thinks twice about playing it pre-service or post-service or letting it be highlighted in the youth conference or, you know what I mean? Like, this is a space that for years, um, the world that I came up in was occupied and dominated by Christian rock music, right? So, I mean, even if you look at my career way on in the beginning, like, I was collaborating with rock bands because that was a way to get me in, you know, sneak me in the back door into these, you know, these, these spots, like, oh, that's gone now, right? It's not even, it's just gone. And I think partially that's because those that are now in charge of picking the playlists and the pre-service music and the songs and stuff, like we're in our 20s, 30s, 40s, and this is our music now. So we're kind of now programming the kids. Not that the kids are like fighting it. I mean, that's their music too. So I'm just saying all this is that I'm sitting in there, I'm playing pool with two of the kids and, you know, they're playing this song after that song after this song. Um, And, you know, they're all guys I know. I mean, they're all guys that I've either done songs with or like they're friends of mine or like they've opened up for me, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just watching, you know, I'm an observer. I'm watching the body language and the reaction of the teenagers and stuff and myself too like you know I mean like I'm like all right that song's a bop you know like the next one I'm like yep feeling that one you know and it's funny how a certain style now which I don't know I guess you could say it's trap style maybe um but that heavy 808 trap synth you know high high hats, you know what I mean, that kind of vibe which is just the dominant sound of what hip hop is right now like that stuff just totally translates like it totally translates to a vibe like it's the perfect pre-service music, like it's the perfect music for creating a vibe with kids and you can just kind of watch their body mo- movements, like they may not know the song, they may not even know it's Christian rap, I mean, or they may be huge fans but like you're not trying to apologize for the music like people just connect with it right away right they just connect with it and I think that's one thing that you know modern day Christian hip-hop has done really really well younger generation or older generation well mostly the younger generation is the relevance level is like huge right so I'm sitting here listening to these songs you know some of them I knew some I didn't and I'm like in the back of my head I'm like dang man like I, I need some songs like this, you know? Like I need to I need to do some songs like this. And but part of me and the other part of my head is like thinking like, would my style or my voice even translate? You know? And I also had to kinda of look back on my career and I'm like, wait a minute, you know, for twenty years my music has never really been that kind of like music that you throw on, you know, pre service or like you know, I mean, maybe some of the silly songs, you know, like back in the day with youth group kids, like that resonated or whatever, but I've realized like, I've not really been that type of rapper over the years, right? I'm not like the, like my music rocks crowds and stuff. It's not like I write dreary, (laughs) introspective songs all the time, you know, and I hate to use this comparison because obviously it's a, it's an annoyance to me, but like, I'm thinking like, well, Eminem really doesn't do that either. Like, he's not the guy you play in the club, right? He occupies his own little lane and his own little space, is what I'm thinking. And so, I've always strived to make music that's a reflection of myself. I've always strived to make music, like, that I want to listen to. I've always strived to make music um, that isn't just one sonic sound, right? Which means some of those spaces I don't occupy because of that, Uh, because of that exact reason. So anyway, I'm listening, I'm watching these kids, I'm listening, and, you know, I did, I didn't, like, necessarily perform a song in my, um, in my message, but I did sort of kick an acapella that tied back, and it was, you know, really effective. I did, like, my first verse from Island of the Misfit Toys, and it kind of really helped, you know solidify what I was trying to say. Um, But then, at the end... Okay, so at the end of the night, I said, I said, why don't you play the Misfit Toys video so the kids can see it. And this is just kind of like, play the video as they're leaving or walking out. And, you know, some of the kids listened. Most of it just became background music, which is fine. I mean, I wasn't, like, trying to, like, make them all sit down and be like, listen to this now! (laughs) Um... But then on a lark, you know, like, somebody threw on my new album, Victory Lap. And they were playing, like, just the first song or something like that, right? And then the second song. And, you know, look, I understand. The Victory Lap album, these are, like, story songs, right? They're not necessarily meant to, like, rock the crowd. I wouldn't do probably any of those songs live except for maybe, like, you know, I got this or like very last song. Like those songs are more conducive to rocking the crowd and stuff. Um, but I'm like kind of watching the body language of the kids, even as the, you know, the story songs are playing. I'm listening to the Sonics. I'm watching the body language of the kids. And it's not like the kids were like, this sucks, turn that off. But nobody was like, nobody was really vibing to it, right? So I went and then I turned on, got, you know, I got this. Just to see if that moved the crowd a little bit more. You know, again, these are just kids milling around at the end. It's not like I was not performing. You know what I'm saying? And um, the point of what I'm trying to get at, the reason why this is titled I'm Irrelevant, is that there was no comparison between the Reach Records type stuff, you know, the RMG type stuff, to my stuff at the end. Like, it's not, it's not moving the crowd just from a subconscious level to want to dance you know, or to just react to the music. And I thought about that, and I was like, okay, you know, every time, this is something artists need to pay attention to. Every time you make a song, there's what your heart wants it to do as far as a reaction, but then there's a reality of how it actually reacts, right? You know, you may want to write this, like, deep, introspective, heart-wrenching, transparent song just understand that that's not going to move the crowd to dance. You know what I mean? Like you might have to have them in a state where they are ready to listen. You know, uh, hip hop by. Sorry, uh, that part got cut off. So let me kind of pick up where I was. Um, here's the main thing. I am not satisfied unless I make every single possible people group happy. <laughs> This is is not really a healthy tendency Um, because you can't have it it both ways. It's just not realistic. I mean, I made a Victory Lap album that was very story-driven on purpose. It was not meant to be like a crowd rocking type album. Um, And that, you know, I have to accept the fact that it's not going to move 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds like you know, some of the Reach record stuff. So anyway, here's why I'm getting at this. This has always probably been something that's been in the back of my head. Uh, It's kind of eaten away at me a little bit over the years. I guess in some ways my diversity of tastes is a gift and a curse. I have very diverse musical tastes, meaning on one hand, it really helps me to appreciate all different styles, all different generation styles, Um, which really helps me understand and relate to a lot of different people. But in some ways, it kind of cancels me out at the same time. You know what I mean? As they say, um, um, uh, what's the... uh, Jack of all trades, but master of none. Like, I feel like that sometimes, you know? Anyway, because I tell the podcast I'm irrelevant and that's okay the other part of me is like, you know what, at some point, I have to make the music that like, I want to make, and there's an empty space of music by older heads, for older heads, not that my music is for any particular generation, but the reality is, a 30, 40 year old can relate to a song, like, just gets better, you know what I'm saying, like, the song I did with Montel Jordan about being married for a long time and how it just gets better over time. Like, no one's writing songs like that for the most part in this space. Someone should that's been there and someone that is there right now all of a sudden goes, yep, yep, you said what I wanted to say. Uh, But this goes back to my desire to always want to do everything. (laughs) I guess what I'm saying in my old days, I'm learning how to like realize it's better to do two things really well than try to do five things okay, right? And, you know, as I'm as I'm aging, as I'm getting older, it's like part of me is like, man, there's some things I just got to let go, you know? And I know it might sound silly with my gray hair, but me letting the gray come into my hair was a huge step for me. Because it means that I'm letting go of this idea that I always have to look younger than I am, right? Um, By letting the gray come into my hair, I'm essentially like owning up to the fact of who I am. I'm not living, you know, with a desire to throw you off the scent, so to speak. You know what I mean? And there is something to be said about that. Like there's there's something to be said about finding comfort in yourself, like finding, um, you know, that sweet spot, finding that ability to be 100% authentic to who you are. Now, do we all ever get there? Probably not. But can we get closer to it? Absolutely. Um, Because here's the other thing, you know, sometimes it comes down to purpose. Like I wasn't there on Wednesday night to rock a show. You know what I mean? Um, I was there to share a message that would hopefully impact the lives of some teenagers to give them a new perspective, you know? And this is another time that I've realized like in the past, like I've gotten frustrated because I wasn't playing my role, you know what I mean? Like it's like being on a basketball team and you're a small forward, but you just want to play center or you're a center and you want to be, you know, another position. Like, but like, you're the center because you're seven foot tall Like, you should be center Does the center get the same, you know uh, Does the center get the same, like, props as the other positions? He may not But be the best version of who you are Or the best role role that you're there to play You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing worse than five people on a basketball team And they're all playing to be somebody else You know what I mean? To be other uh, someone else's position Like, that team does not win Everyone wins. The team wins when everybody plays their position at 150%. You know what I mean? So that's it. I'm on my way to a show. I'm actually on the way to the airport right now as we speak. Uh, it's kind of surreal because I have not flown out for a show in like golly, I think I'm. I don't think I've flown out for a show in like two, maybe two months, maybe a month and a half. Like it's so weird that my life literally was driving to this airport two, three times a week. You know what I mean? Like living in airports. And now, you know, that's shifted. But I don't mean that in like a regretful way. I mean like, this is what it is. And uh, I'm going to play my role to the very best ability ability that I can. You know, I love what Jesus's words were. The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve others. So, giddy up. All right, y'all. Have a great, great Friday.